Welcome to the Herpreneur Wellness Show. I am your host, Annette Lackovich. Join me as I bring you some of the most cutting edge and coolest people on the planet to help you live a bigger, more fuller life as a female entrepreneur. More health, more wealth, more happiness as you continue to grow your extraordinary business and an extraordinary life. Let's do it. This is a special episode release for those that are in a time of crisis with what's going on at the moment in the world. This health crisis has turned into and will turn into a massive economical crisis globally. Now, Pete and I did a Facebook Live and I felt like I wanted to jump on and share it with you. Just to give you also an update that we are on pause at the moment with the Herpreneur Show. I have gone totally off the grid. The last time we actually spoke, I was celebrating, saying, yay, we're going to be with the Wellness Network. And do you know what? Right when I announced that, I lost my girl that was working with me doing all behind the scenes. And it does take a bit of a tribe to get these episodes out. And as much as I was trying to do it all on my own, it was just too much to juggle. So I had to lay it to rest and try to find somebody who was going to work with me and help me be able to do this. Because if I'm committing to a network, we really want to make sure that we've got the frequency and the regularity of that show. So I've been in the background now getting everything ready Got a new guy joining me, JM's actually joining me doing the back end work and joining up with this wellness couch. So we will be launching, I'm not going to put a date on it, but it looks like it will be just before winter. And once again, we'll have a slightly new edge. We've had the Herpreneur show, we've heard the Herpreneur wellness show. I am launching something just slightly, a little bit of a blend of both of them together because as we evolve in business, so should our products and services and our messages. If I'm not evolving, that is a problem. So my message continually evolves to be able to continually help you and serve you at the highest level. So for now, without further ado, let me share with you the Facebook Live I did with Peter. Just full disclosure, this is not edited. You're going to hear something drop in the middle of it. It's our light, <laughs> something that's blocking the light. Um, then the battery goes to run short on Pete's phone because we were meant to do it live, but we had technical problems on the computer. And his battery goes to run low, so I run off and I get a cord and I come back. So you're going to hear all that, but what you're not going to hear, and the best parts is the golden nuggets. There are so many great golden nuggets in this interview. We have had people come back on, share with us their wins. People reach out to us personally. We are so proud of what's actually happening. There's a thing called co-liberation. It's a new word that Tandy Gabrielle has put out there. And everybody is liberating everybody else and we're doing it together. So co-liberation it's this beautiful force of everybody out there, all the business owners, owners there lifting each other up. And every business owner I'm speaking to at the moment is still really positive. Yes, things might get a little bit tough the next couple of months, but I'm just loving that everybody's buckling down and really looking at this as an opportunity to pivot. And this is what the episode is all about, is how to sell during a time of crisis. Enjoy. All right, All right, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We just had to change technical stuff. We were doing this fancy um, stuff with slides and webinars and images. Didn't work. So we're just going to get straight into Haven't it. Haven't you taken a crisis? Yeah. Fail miserably. <laughs> 
But let's get into it. Um, how to sell during a crisis. We understand that there are so many businesses at the moment. Many of you are probably panicking, wondering how you're going to stay alive through this. You are probably wondering what to do. You've got clients that are ringing up, cancelling contracts. You are lead poor or you might find that you are getting your leads or you're rigging them back and they're giving you objections like it's just not the right time right now. We get it. We've been inundated with phone calls, with emails. Uh, we're going to give you 13 ways or 13 things for you to do right now to start not just to help pivot, but to help plug the holes because you've obviously got clients and stuff that are falling through right now. So we're here to be able to help you guys. Um, it's going to be a Q&A style. I'm going to ask Peter a whole heap of questions um, or just talking points. Yeah. And then he's just going to go for it, all right? So I do want to say one thing, though. Just um, understand this is like the winter, all right? There's always a spring after the winter. This is us buckling down, learning to pivot, when we come out of it, we will look back on this time and realize that we have grown so much from it, okay? For now, it's about how we survive. And the most important thing we need to understand is the more we pull back our reins on, the, on money uh, and stop spending money on each other's businesses out there, money has to continually flow. And that's the first point that I want to go into, Pete. Why does money need to continually keep flowing for us businesses to stay alive and to help the economy? Yeah, I think everything you've said is, is spot on, right? Um, we, we are in a time of, we need to be aware of what's going on in the world, but we don't need to buy into what's going on in the world. So I think it's really important that we acknowledge where we're at, but where are we going to go? What's the next step? What is our best next step we need to take? Um, the world can't survive if money's not flowing, right? So that's, that's the core, you know, the principles of part of economics is money needs to flow. And I say that from a perspective of mindset for us. I've, you know, Nat and I have both spoken to so many people recently who are talking about um, they, the, their, their sales confidence and mojo is down. They feel bad selling to other people right now. Yeah. Um, I don't want to take advantage of anyone right now. There are businesses out there that need your products and services and they need them now. Right, the segments in your market that you need to resegment your database and micro segment. Five percent of the revenue you bring in from five percent of your client base probably aren't affected by this right now. So that five percent now needs to become your ninety-five percent, so to speak. But you need to be super comfortable and super confident in articulating a service or a product that you have that can make a difference to somebody. The now the shift is people need your products and services probably more than ever. We just need to figure out how do we communicate that? How do we market that? What's the message? What's the promise we have to make? What does that all look like? But shutting up shop mentally and going, people don't want what I have right now. I just got off the phone um, with a client literally 35 minutes ago who I spoke to two days ago and I said, get on the phone. He's in um, uh, uh, home extensions, home improvements, building homes, which mm -hmm. this one person had actually funded it all privately. Now he's waiting for finance to come through. So that's literally 70% of his revenue. So he went into panic mode. And I said, right now you need to get on the phones and just blast the phones all day yesterday. Literally just blast the phones all day yesterday. And that's what he did. He got on the phones. He made. He got eight contacts. Three have sent through designs of him wanting to work with them. So he could get three, just get one of those contracts will make a world of difference. But because he didn't spend his time um, worrying about what, what they can't control and focusing on what he can control, all of a sudden he's comfortable asking people to do work because the people out there, they just aren't affected yet. 
So we need to up the ante. Money needs to flow. People want to hear what you've got. You've just got to position it in a way that makes sense to them right now. Mm, yeah. And the other thing is that you might be saying that you're uncomfortable in selling right now. And if you know that it is just not the right time for whatever it is, there's other things we're going to show you to help you build. Because at the moment, the last thing you want to do is take this time to pause and watch Netflix, right? <laughs> now is about building the background, building, 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 building. So when it does come out of this, whatever we're going through, this crisis, let's just call it, that you are actually better, you are moving ahead, but the last thing you want to do is actually stop and pause. It's about what you need to do right now. And those that practice in private, when the opportunity comes and you're in public, you will boom faster, all right? You've got that head at that, that run, running up start. Pete, let's talk a little bit about, um, I want to go into micro-segmenting. Some people might be still thinking they still don't think their clients have the right clients. Can you give us a couple of examples of micro-segmenting um, or how we can segment our audience so we know who to actually look for or what does it look like if we're doing active campaign or we're doing Infusionsoft or what we need to do differently to give a different product? Yeah, good. I mean, we all have an audience, we all have a database, right? We all have an audience, we all have a database. Um, often we're, we're always chasing the new lead when there's opportunities underneath us, but also there's, there must be a, uh, an audience and a database that you've been nurturing right now. And understanding your audience and understanding your avatar is more critical now than ever before, right? So you can obviously segment audience, you know, macros like, you know, age, um, you know, average dollar per spend. Or, you know, look, there's, there's certain ways you can segment. You can segment your audience based on um, product lines that you have. You know, you might have four product lines, five product lines, 15 product lines. You can segment them on product lines. You can segment them on people have bought more than one product. If they bought two products or three products or four products, you can segment on average dollar per sale. Mm -hmm. um, but we also need to now segment Take all those into consideration, but I would, as I alluded to earlier, I would really look at your, your audience and your market, and this is why information is everything right now. Big data is everything for us, because big data gives us control. How well do you know your audience in what product lines do they have, but how well do you know your audience that may or may not have been affected, and how have they been affected? Yeah. You told a story about an optometrist. Yeah, she's actually online right now. So we, 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 Hi, Naomi. We, we, we gave a strategy. Um, now, you know, Naomi's got three shop fronts, which it looks like because of government rules, she's going to have to shut down um, and obviously doing some virtual stuff. But for a week or two in the last couple of weeks, an idea we come up with was do happy hour for seniors, like have a time between 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock uh, where you just invite seniors down. They know you've done a clean beforehand at 2 and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, how can you look at your audience and go, what would eliminate the barriers to entry? What would lower their buyer's resistance based on age, based on gender, uh, based on product line? How can we look at your audience? And I would just do a clean audit on your whole database. Who has spent recently? Who has spent recently? Who has spent frequently? Look at the trends within your audience and trends within your database. Look at people who have one product which they are raving fans for, and is there a secondary or third product? It's, I'm still surprised today, and I shouldn't be surprised. When I ask this one question, the answer is normally a resounding yes. Do you, or sorry, the answers I say are resounding no. Do your clients, do they understand that you can serve them more than the one product or service that you're serving them for right now? I guarantee you, a lot of your clients so probably don't. So say that don't... again, do your clients know yep. that you can serve them 
more than just the one product you product have. Product I have right now. Yeah. Most of your clients mm-hmm. don't realize that you also do A, you also do B, you also do C. And they're probably even sometimes using your competitors for that or they don't know they should be doing that. See, now's a big time to educate your market on how else they can be using your products and using your services. Often we get complacent with new business. We, or we, marketing is this sexy thing, right, where I want to chase the new lead, I want to get on social media, I want to do all this digital marketing stuff. And that's all great. However, you look at your current database who are still spending with you, who are still using you regularly right now. How can you just increase the average dollar per spend with current clients if new clients are hard? So micro-segmenting is look at the micros within the major macros of your audience right now and go, where is the opportunity? Mm, mm. And the question right now is, where is the opportunity? Because there is opportunity everywhere. Now is the time for us to shine. You know, Winston Churchill, I just heard a a colleague of mine say this yesterday, Winston Churchill had a great comment where it's like, we can't let a time of crisis go by without taking taking the opportunity. Now, Mm. not word perfect, but there's opportunity in it. That's what we need to step up to. Yeah. Find a segment, find an audience that maybe only contributed to 5% of your revenue last year that now, because they haven't been affected, could be a greater portion of your revenue. And then how can we look at our current existing markets that are spending on product line one, two, or three, and how can they one, four, five, or six? And you've already got the relationship with them as well. So that also fast tracks it. But I really want to be careful about the time because I want to give about three or four minutes on each answer. All right? So next one is, and this is the big one, okay? Clients are cancelling. Clients are cancelling contracts. What do we say to them? How do we empathise with them? And how do we keep them if we can still serve them at the highest level? If we're still a solution for their problem, what can you say to them about that? Someone might say to you, I've got people cancelling at the time all the time. I've got contracts ending. What do I do? Yeah, I just did an hour session on this right now with a whole bunch of coaches. Um... So there's two things we need to understand in the marketplace is, and I'm going to treat this similarly to like I treat objection handling in the sales process, right? But this is on a, on a more emotional level. Um, there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. Mm-hmm. And empathy in my world is, is understanding where someone's coming from, looking at it from their point of view. Yeah. Sympathizing with them is feeling their pain and feeling their emotion and jumping on their bandwagon with them and going to, into that downward spiral with them, so to speak, right? So I don't believe now is the time for sympathy. I do believe it's the time for empathy. Mm. Um, we often, and I nearly caught myself doing this just yesterday. And because we're human beings, that's what we do. Do you know what I mean? Especially when you're in business, you're there because you want to help them. So it's so hard to easily go into that. So being conscious of it, I think, is the first thing. Yeah, definitely. So. Guys, don't buy in to the story that your clients are giving you. Mm. Acknowledge the story. You know, there's three A's we always talk about here. The first A is always acknowledge the situation, acknowledge the scenario, acknowledge the tonality, acknowledge the environment that you're in with someone within a sales or negotiations, right? So what we do need to do, though, is we need to not buy into their story. I've had so many people go, yeah, it must be hard and you have lost leads and like... They don't need, you're not enabling someone by sympathizing with them, right? We need to acknowledge the scenario, but we need to empathize with understanding where they're coming from. But right now we need to work on how do we help them with the next step. So if you've had someone ring up, and a good colleague of mine, Taki, um, had a good frame around this as well. Um, I, was, I was doing a similar strategy with somebody about a week ago, and then I heard his articulation of it, and I think it was very strong. When someone rings you up and said, hi, I want to cancel, I want to postpone, I want to suspend, I don't think I've got the money to, to pay you guys right now, whether mm-hmm. it's subscription-based, membership-based, or whether it's a, a tangible product that you have, 
I believe the best step right now is we need to acknowledge what's going on, right? But we need to go, you know, right right now, I can see Aaron to Bones online. Aaron, I don't want this to be about me. I want to make this about you. Enough making it about me. Let's make it about you right now. Three things are probably going on in your world. One, you're probably affected personally. Probably two, affected financially. Three, strategically. So let's talk about those three things if we can. What's going on right now? How you're feeling? And let them empty out their ammo. Yeah, it's good. You need to let them empty out their ammo, right? The biggest mistake, the biggest mistake you will make is when someone empties out their ammo and they go, yeah, listen, my leads are dropping, my clients are cancelling, I don't have confidence, I'm not selling, I don't know how I'm going to manage my cash flow and my wages right now or even just my, my mortgage. Um, we tend to go into, because you know we're, we're mammals, right? We're carers, we're nurturers, we suckle our young. When someone's got a problem, we want to fix it. We go need you at fix-it mode. Mm. We don't do that. What will happen nine times out of ten? If someone says, oh, yeah, my leads are low, we go, oh, solution. Have you thought about, yeah, but then this is happening. Well, what you can do is this. When someone goes problem and you go solution, they find a bigger problem. When you go solution, they find a bigger problem. What we need to do is let them empty the ammunition out. Let them just go, this is wrong, this is challenging, this is challenging, this is challenging. So find out exactly what is going on. Then what we do is we chunk up. So what you're telling me, Zaki, what you're telling me right now is that you don't have confidence in the strategy for your best next step and that's causing all that anxiety. Have I got that right? You chunk it up to something that is more strategic and tangible that you can help them with. So we acknowledge the emotion, we then chunk it up into something more tangible. We've all heard of the analogy before, talk about the pink elephant in the room, right? Mm-hmm. It's like there's, there's something there that's glaring that we don't talk about. Um, the next best strategy with this is not being reactive, but being proactive, right? The key premise about eliminating objections is this one philosophy. If the customer says it, it's an objection. If the customer brings it up, it's an objection. If you bring it up, it's a conversation. What we don't want to do is wait for people to say, I'm having money problems, I'm having this problem. You need to bring it up in the conversation. So exactly like I said, when you say, hey, you're probably feeling it personally, you're probably feeling it financially, and strategically, what do I do next? What's the best next step? Are you feeling that? They go, yeah, I am. But when you bring it up, it's a conversation. When they bring it up, you're trying to overcome that feeling. Mm -hmm. So we need to change the mindset of how we look at it from that capacity. So first step, Empathize, don't sympathize. Acknowledge the situation. Bring up what you feel is going on for them before they can bring it up because then it's discussed in a completely different mindset shift. Um, That's the first step we need to take in cancellations. Mm -hmm. Once we've gone through the personal, we then go through, okay, tell me what you have been doing that was working that's not working right now. Oh, you know, this was working, marketing was working, this was working, that was working. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. What was working well about it? Guys, you know right now that 76%, there's, there's more engagement on social media by an increase of 76% in the last 10 days. Yeah. Right? Um, impressions are up <coughs> on some platforms by 29%. Wow. So an impression is people seeing you in their feed, right? Um, I'm hearing a lot of people saying cost of acquisition is actually lower um, because there's more people out there right yeah. now. So we need to look at tangible strategies that you need to help your clients with and don't talk macro, talk specificity. Mm-hmm. If you say, but you need us right now, you need this right now, there's behind it. If we can come up with a first step is, second step is, third step is, go activate that, then let's talk, right? Your team needs you right now. They need more leadership right now. 
The leadership is, is so critical. Rita, you know, Rita just said, yes, her impressions are up as well. Percentage of impressions are so far up bigger than ever have been before. So, you know, I could talk forever about this, but these are the key philosophies right mm-hmm. now when it comes to stopping people from suspending and cancelling. Go through those key three steps and they'll put you on the front foot. But lead. Let them know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, tell them. You know, I've, I've had fitness industry people say, you know, do we leave sleeping dogs lie? Like, do we just let them um, not suspend them or cancel them until we, uh, they, they ask us? The ones now, the government has now stopped all um, direct debits for health and fitness industry. You have mm-hmm. to stop re-signing your contract. But before that, the ones that got on the front foot and say, hey, are you feeling it right now? If you want to suspend, we'll suspend for you. They have bought so many brownie points with their clients because it's showing like and trust. I just implore you, get on the front foot. If there's something out there you think about, ask them how they're going. Don't create an objection that may not be there, but have the conversation with them because it's going to come up eventually. You want to control the narration behind it. Mm. Um, Let's talk about moving sales conversations online because many of our clientele and most of the people probably watching are face-to-face services. Mm -hmm. Um, or face-to-face products, they need to have that conversation. What is it they need to do now online? What is the structure that they need or the best way to actually help them now convert online just like it is face-to-face? Beautiful. Okay. It's no secret that if you aren't online, you need to get online, right? There's, there's no secret about that whatsoever. We, we need to all have a presence. Um, we need to change the way we deliver, Right. If we look at iterating and innovating, one of the key things we need to iterate and innovate is our delivery methods. Mm. All right. Um, that's going to enable us to get in front of people, get your your magic, get your genius, your product service in front of other people. Right. So that is a key component we need to focus on. Um, when we look at um, my brain, I'm a very visual person, and I just saw an image of something I want to talk about in about five minutes' time, and I completely <laughs> lost track of your question. Online, <laughs> offline versus offline. How, I to how, say to structure, it was how to structure a meeting when it's online? Yes, how does it perfect. differentiate, or what do we need to do differently? So, first step is like I talked about with objection handling, with cancellations, you need to get on the front foot. I learned this um, day one into when all this took off. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, Pete, I want to cancel my appointment with you. And I thought about that and I rang them up and said, let's do it through Zoom. Let's do video conferencing. I already do a lot of that. And I said, yeah, yeah, no, I just think now is not the right time. Mm-hmm. Because they led with that, I had to try to overcome it. It's going to be really hard in this marketplace today to overcome objections. Mm-hmm. What you need to do is ring all your appointments you already got or instigate that we don't do face-to-face anymore. Everything is on through, whether you use Skype or FaceTime or Zoom or whatever technology you have, you know, Zoom is the crowd favorite And we're all used to that now. We're all used to knowing that we have to do that. Let's get on the front foot before they cancel with you. Start that conversation now. So lead with that. Mm -hmm. Secondly, um, I'm going to share something with you that is quite contradictory to what most people have ever been taught or ever um, talked about in sales. The traditional method for sales is... Annette, let me find out about you, right? Um, Then I'll tell you about us. Mm -hmm. Then I'll create a solution, show you what that solution costs and show you how to get started. Mm -hmm. But I need to know more about you before I can, you know, tell you about what we do. Switch it, right? I call this the switch. We need to change the way that we communicate. Right now, you need more buy-in quicker. Your first two to three minutes, you need what I call the switch, right? We have a thing called the chaser and the chasee. 
right? So predominantly is, you know, I've got Marie Elise is just online right now. Hey, Marie, thanks for, for tuning in. Marie, right now, uh, we have an appointment booked. I want to speak to you. You, uh, you, I'm not sure what your industry is. Uh, just say you sell like that, that tops, right? And I'm a customer for you. And, um, or let's say it's solar. Right? I'm looking at sun. We're outside in our backyard right now. It's a beautiful sunshiny day here in Perth and you, you sell solar. So right now, if you're selling solar to me, and you go, Pete, tell me about you, tell me about your home, how much you're spending, right? We need to switch that, and I need to want what you have before I open up about who I am. Oh, I just had <laughs> a sunblock that it just I'll fell. That. It's all good. So let me repeat that. Rather than, I, I need to find out about your solar company first, right? And why I want what you have before you find out and I open up about what I need. It's contradictory to what most people do. So when I jump on a video conferencing call right now, one of the first things I'm gonna do is I'm not gonna say, let me find out about you. I'm gonna ask a simple question, is what made you reach out, mm. right? What made you, and if you didn't reach out and you cold called someone, what made you accept that appointment? What made you accept the invitation for us to catch together today? To what about what made together? you keep that call? What made you keep the call? What made you accept the invitation? What made you reach out? Mm -hmm. Get them to give a snippet of why they reached out first, right? Once they've done that, we then want to go, how much do you know about why so many people choose our solar and why, why we make such a big difference for families? Can I just say, Marie has just put, how did you know I literally install solar systems? <laughs> so you went from talking about laptops, you drew a blank and you thought, like, when have you ever done so, Marie, I'll share something with you. And that tells me I, I'm very intuitive. I think he's so intuitive. He's um, got this, yeah. I pick up vibes. I can read between the lines. That is crazy. And the why I just chose solar, I have no idea. But when I just said um, laptops, when I saw your name, for some reason, it just didn't resonate with me. I know this sounds woo-woo and all that type of shit. Um, and for some reason, solar jumped into that my mind. <laughs> so... Um, it that, does it, he does it all the time. It virtual high five. Out. Yeah, um, awesome. Yeah, great. So what I'm saying now is um, in the online space, you need to give them a little bit of certainty earlier than ever before, right? Face-to-face, -face, we have body language. Mm -hmm. um, people are easier rapport builders face-to-face. -face. Um, video conferencing is much better than telephone and things like that, but it's easier to be able to do that. If, so the first thing we want to do is we want to um, engage in why they reach out, why they connected very quickly. Do not go deep. The problem here is try to go too deep uh -huh. too early, right? Mm -hmm. On the first date, I'm not going to dig into your life story on your first date, right? Not just yet. It's going to take a time to get there. So ask why they reached out. Ask why they still kept the, the time that we booked. Ask why they accepted the invitation if someone booked an appointment for you. And then you want to go straight into what made, um, how much do you know about Marie Elise's solar? Why so many people choose us? That's not why do you know about us. It's why do so many people choose us? Right? Why we get results? How much do you know about that? I want to know where their starting point is. Right? I want to know if they're a one out of ten, a two out of ten, a five out of ten, because we need to create our alignment point and meet them there. Mm. Once you know how much they know about you, you then say, "Great, well, because you know that much, let me start there, give you a good overview of why people choose us to make sure what we do actually resonates with you. If it doesn't resonate with you, it's no point in going further. Mm -hmm. I want you to lower their buyer's resistance as much as you can earlier." So what I'm doing now on video conferencing is I'm getting them to want us first by sharing three key elements, three USPs, three key pillars about why people choose us and why we get the results that we do. Cool. So the first thing is intro. Yep. Yeah. What made you reach out? Yep. And then do the switch. And don't go deep. Yeah. 
Yep. Just surface level. Yeah. So what made you reach out? That will actually put them in... They, like, convince themselves, really. They're hearing their own problem again. Correct. Then it's it doing the switch. The, puts them into the emotional yep. cortex of the brain Doing the quicker. switch. So then you're actually really doing, like, an advertisement of what separates you from everybody else yes. and what you're known for. Yeah? You've got to get that early right now. People want to get straight to the point. What I don't believe in is this fake rapport that everyone does, you know, this icebreaker stuff. Um, you know, we do the, hi, how are you going, Marie? What have you been up to? Like, you don't know me from a bar, so I know it's an icebreaker. Your customer knows it's an icebreaker. You know, what is rapport? It's a feeling of mutual commonality, right? It's getting on the same page as somebody. So sometimes the best way to get on the same page as somebody is literally just saying, hey, I know you've only got 30 minutes, let's get straight to it. Marie, if you did that to me, you said, I know you've only got half an hour, let's get straight to it. I'd go, I like this girl. There's no BS, there's no fluff. She's just getting straight to it. Not building rapport with a lot of people is building rapport. Let me repeat that. Not building rapport is building rapport. Because we're just on the same page. The fact that you didn't fluff around, I appreciated that. So very quickly, it's like how much do you know about why Elisa's solar systems, um, why so many people choose us, why we get the results that we do. I know this much about you. Great. Because you only know that much, let me tell you what I do. Why don't I go for you a quick overview of why we do what we do and why people choose us to make sure what we do actually resonates with you or not. Lower the resistance as quick as you can. It makes such a big difference in virtual when people are usually more time conscious um, and you don't have the ability of, you know, the physical presence, the, the, the ambience you have when you're sitting next to somebody. Um, we, need to, we need to create more of that. Sorry, we're just plugging the phone in because the battery light just went on saying, running low. <laughs> okay. So that's the first step with virtual is get them to want you as quick as you can. You can't have more than three key elements of why they want you right? And once you finish your three key USPs, you go, does that resonate with you? They go, yes, it does. Great. Now that it does, let me find out about where you're at. Tell me your story, your scenario, your situation. I talk at the three S's, your story, your scenario, your situation. Let me hear it, right? We now need to be more heavy in diagnosis than we ever have been before. I repeat, we need to be more heavy in diagnosis than we ever have and been before. And tell them what diagnosis is in case someone doesn't know, understand what you mean. Cool. So diagnosis is, you know, I call this having the doctor's mindset. Um, what does a doctor do? The best doctors will ask more questions. The best doctors are obsessed about finding out exactly what's going on with you. Mm -hmm. The doctors you don't have much credit in, when you say, hi, I've got a stomachache. Oh, yeah, there's a bit of a flu and a virus going on right, right now. Um, drink lots of water. Uh, take some of these and call me in a week if it doesn't feel better. The less questions somebody asks, the less trust you have of them because they're not doing a strong diagnosis. We need to feel that people understand. We need your customer to feel that you understand them better than you ever have before. Mm -hmm. So diagnosis is critical, right? Is there one thing that sells better online, doing virtual than face-to-face? -face? Yes. What is it? We have the ability right now when we do things like Zoom, and this is why Zoom is, you can screen share, mm -hmm. right? Screen share is a, such a great ability. So you can preempt a couple of slides. You can go, hey, can I just quickly share something with you? Go in. And this one strategy, because it uses more than just an auditory component, but it's a visual component, because it, it can be more impromptu, um, I find it's having a deeper impact right now. And that is the use of testimonials and case studies. I repeat, the use of testimonials and case studies. Using a screen share facility, you can easily screen share your private Facebook group an email that you received, uh, an example of what you've done for somebody else, where when you kind of, it's sometimes people don't bring that to meetings with them, 
but you have the ability to go, you know what, uh, Georgia, Georgia, you've just logged on, right? Georgia, you remind me so much of a, of a young guy called Michael that I just spoke to a couple of weeks ago. In fact, can I just quickly share something that he shared with me? You bring up a screen share. Using visual case studies through PowerPoint, through screen sharing, through sharing anything that you have right now using technology like Zoom is a strong social proof strategy that we need more of today, not less of. Um, I've got a lot of our clients saying, what are other people doing in this scenario? When I say, I had this client do this and this client do that and they said this and this is how they wrote their email, this is how they changed their subject heading and go, oh my God, that's brilliant, I could do that because it puts it into context, okay? Case studies and testimonials put things into context. When people have context, they have clarity. When they have clarity, they have certainty. When they have certainty, they buy. Perfect, awesome. Um, some people are now changing their product because their product was physical base, mm. right? Or live so, face-to-face. Li- live face-to-face, live events, networking groups. Mm. Um, accountant might need not be able to do their face-to-face. They're going to do it for, um, online. Does somebody need to lower their prices or when do they need to lower their prices? I don't know if it's two questions, zero or one, but... Some people are really thinking, do I need to lower my prices now going online? So let's just say if it's yep. a consultant, normally a consultant might go into the business and do all their stuff. Do they need to lower their prices now? It's all virtual. I think I've stopped 80% of people that I know lower the price. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the, the price question is in their own mind. Mm-hmm. So there's two things I want to talk about. My big belief is this. Your price point is directly proportional to your ability to sell. I repeat that. Yeah. How you price your products and services is directly proportional to your ability to sell. We are usually too scared to charge more, put up a price in fear of losing a sale. If you've ever felt that, I know someone does, hit the like button, hit the love button, so I can see a bit of a ratio of what's going on there, right? Mm. We tend to sell at a price point based on our sales skill. Yeah. When we have a good solid sales process, 90% of people we work with in the first two months put their price up and they have a high conversion rate. Mm-hmm. As we know, when price goes up, that's straight to the bottom line when it comes to profit. Okay, I'm getting lots of loves and likes coming <laughs> up right now. So our mindset is, oh, but Annette, you know, I'm not there on site. I'm not there face to face. So I need to charge less because it's just a virtual call. It's yeah. just a Zoom call. Hang on a second. Are you delivering less value? Are they still getting the IP that you have created? Over years. Are you still giving them that? It, it sometimes could be more effective. Yeah. I've got a colleague of mine who did just a four-day event, took two days to pivot to run this four-day event, right? Did it all through Zoom. It was going to be in San Francisco, around so many people around the world. Had to do it virtually. After day two, he did a poll and said to everybody, guys, this is all new. How are you going? Is this, is this going okay? Everybody bar two people said it was better. Yeah, that was astonishing when he said that. For it live events, think of four, a four-day live better. event. A four-day live event. And they said it was better doing it online, except for two people. The story we tell us, we think we're giving them less of a product or a service, where in fact you're giving them the same, if not better. Mm. You have the ability now to communicate with more people where transport, travel, geography was a barrier, and now no longer is it actually a barrier. So... I would say right now, um, be very careful on who you need to, right? Be very careful of who you need to reduce prices. Unless they ask, unless you know that they're in financial strain, right? Mm. Unless you know that, I would be very hesitant in reducing your price. Not to say that you don't need strategies. You know, Annette and I, we run a four-day sales accelerator program. Um, we're still getting lots of inundation of people wanting to be part of that. It's the small groups, 12 people, they get cut off. You know, we don't have more than that. 
Um, but right now, I'm not lowering the price on what I'm delivering because the mm-hmm. value is, is worth more. Right? A sale now is probably worth 10 times more than a sale was worth before. Like if you used to close five out of 10 and now you're just, and you're only getting two leads instead of 10 leads, you need to close two out of those two leads right now. It's more important than ever. But you may need to pivot. Like right, right now, I had a conversation with someone about two hours ago mm-hmm. and I'm allowing them to put a really small deposit. I'm giving them three or four months to pay for it. Like I know that doing the program will make the money because I know the value is there. So I'm happy to get that later. But yeah. I'm not reducing my price. I might yeah. delay when I get the finances, mm. but I know I can, I can mm. budget for that time frame. I'm so confident in the results that we deliver based on the data that we have that they will make money. But I'm just stretching out the payment process yeah. rather than reducing the price. Because yeah. once you reduce the price once, you set, a, you set a, a, a standard for future. Yeah. And that's the other thing as well where I said at the start for you guys that are jumping on early. Some of you are thinking, if you think of it with seasons, we're in the winter at the moment. Whenever there's winter, there's spring, there's autumn, there's another season. We're going to get through this. You can either just bunker down and use your time just to chill out and reconnect or because it's our livelihood we're talking about here and our finances and the revenue in our business, we can use this time to practice in private. So when there is opportunity, you are ready. So if you've been thinking about doing different courses out there, upskilling yourself, there's still ways that you can do it. And this is actually the time that you can do it. So it's a matter of reaching out to see if there is other payment options. So I think that's really beautiful because a lot of people are doing it at this, at this stage mm. as well. Everyone's here to be able to help each other. We all understand we're gonna get through it, but it's what are we doing right now in this time to be able to prepare for the future? And do you know what? This actually just came to my mind just a moment ago is I was planning on doing a massive tour around Australia. My first tour was in 2000 and. 13. I remember that. And actually, I was in the middle of it. I was in the middle of it, and I found out I was pregnant, and I was so big on live training. I didn't want to do online products. I was big on doing live training, had the Entrepreneurial Success event, and then we were doing the, I think it was a six-day course, and I found out I was pregnant in the middle of it. And I tell you what, it was like pretty much now where people are thinking, what am I going to do, Right. And it made me pivot. It made me pivot where I did not want to go online. I was so resistant as I was always a live trainer. I was always about live events. People can only learn being live. It made me buckle down, learn online. I was learning sales funnels in 2013 before people even knew what they were. And I was, I was doing exactly what I'm saying to you now, which is get everything ready, learn your online, learn sales funnels, learn your webinars, learn how to convert on, on Zoom. Within a year after I had my son, I then went out and built a, a 33 um, people private mastermind group, which is a lot of people to handle for one person to yep. do private coaching. With a six-year-old son. A six-figure <laughs> webinar sales Six system, months. which I was completely not wanting to do online. And this is not to rave about myself. This is to teach you that in a time of pivot, you actually end up evolving to an even better business person. Now I have the reverse selling system. I've got all these products online and it gave me the ability to increase not my revenue, my revenue streams, different revenue streams, but also my skill set as a business person. Mm. So as I'm saying, this is the winter that we're going to come out of it. And when we do, are we practicing? Are we continually priming? Not actually pulling back into saying, you know, there's nothing I can do there. Yep. Totally. Mm. All right. Now, um, we are moving to online, and this is going to be probably the most important question for most of you is about closing the sale. 
Yes. Because we're moving online, we're going to get more and more objections, or not objections, but the comment, can you send me the proposal? Because now we're not face-to-face with them, right? And there's other stakeholders involved, there's other decision makers, but let's go to what do we say to the person that we're speaking to, to the decision maker, if they say, can you send me a proposal? Yeah, and even one step back to that, I'm finding um, in buying into whatever our customers want Mm -hmm. when it comes to the environment, but also people aren't used to using Zoom and stuff like that. So when a customer says, send me a proposal, we send a proposal or we say, great, that was a really good meeting. You know, um, Jack's just jumped online right now. Um, You know, we've had a chat and say, Jack, that's awesome, mate. Let me go away. I'll create a proposal. I'll zip it off to you. Mm-hmm. Can I please, on this online world, when we're selling virtually, when we're selling online, please make sure right now we don't get caught in proposal mode. Yeah. Okay? It, it's, it's, it's the death of sales. If you want something that's going to stretch out the length of a sales process, it's going back and forward with proposals. Yeah. Right? Proposals don't sell. We need to deliver and present a proposal, don't send a proposal. I repeat, we don't send proposals, we present proposals. Proposals don't present themselves. So what are they going to do? So the person says, great, that's an awesome meeting. Can you actually send me a proposal, everything we spoke about? Good. So my strategy is not teaching how to overcome that, is to stop that from happening, right? I haven't done a, a, a sales program on how to overcome objections in I don't know, probably nearly 10 years now, right? Mm. Because what we do is teach how not to get them. Not getting them is more powerful than having to overcome them. So the minute you've done your diagnosis component, you summarize everything you found out about their business, Mm -hmm. then you go, great, you bring it up. What I'm going to do now, Jack, is I'm going to go and create your blueprint, your strategy, your concept, right? Please avoid the word proposal. Have you seen me use these inverted commas? I'm not trying to be fancy. It's just like uh, I'm using a word I hate, I despise, the word proposal, right? I'm not proposing I want to do work with you. I want you to be my client. I want to do this work with you. So I'm going to go away, create this blueprint, create this strategy, create this concept, come back, talk you through it, walk you through it, show you how it's going to work. We need to use language like show you how it's going to work, walk you through it, because that means it's physical. It means I need to explain it. I need to drive you through it, so to speak. So I'm going to go away, create this. Uh, I'm going to come back, talk you through how that's going to work, show you the ins and outs, answer the questions so we can tailor it together. Mm -hmm. The trick is you go away to create, you come back to present, dot the I's, cross the T's, and tailor it together. So their input is important in this. You can't just get that by sending it. You then say, great, so I'm going to do that. It's going to take me the next three days. I'll have this ready for you on Monday. Um, What time Monday is good for you? This time or earlier. And you Mm -hmm. book appointment to present your solution. You don't deliver the solution. The first time they see it is when you call them or you do a live Zoom call and you screen share it with them. You control the narration because I know what happens. If someone's got a proposal, the first thing they do, they go to the back page and look for price, right? Mm. And then your ability to see value the value proposition around that price is diluted until you can present it. So whether they're in Darwin, whether they're in around the corner, right, geography now is irrelevant because people just don't want to meet face-to-face. Don't create a proposal and send it and hope the proposal sells. Deliver your presentation. Deliver your solution. So there's two appointments, yeah? There's two bookings. Yes. You finish your diagnostic call you then make a time at the end of it before you get the objection sending the proposal. You then book that time to then walk them through it, talk them through it. And the benefit to that customer, to that prospect, is by you saying, what I'll do is we'll jump on the call, 
and I'll walk you through it and any questions that you have, we can answer it then and any tweaks that we need to make along the way because that's the benefit for them as well. Correct. It's so not the, just all about us, right? So at the end of that, us. we'll have something that is totally aligned to help you fix problem A, problem B, problem C and give you solution X, Y and Z and we can make a decision on the best next step at the end of that. How does that sound? Mm. And you tell them we're going to make a decision. If you don't tell people when they're going to make their decision, right, especially when you're using things like video conferencing mm -hmm. right now, yeah. then they're not ready for it. Like if I'm talking and I talk, myself, all of a sudden, do you want to buy? They're like, well, I wasn't ready for that. But if I told them at the end of that, I'm going to answer your questions, and then we're going to go through the best next steps and pick the best way to get started together, their brain is ready for that decision. So when you're doing virtually, tell them when they're going to have to make a decision. Tell them when you need another decision maker in the room. Tell them when they're going to get the solution. Mm -hmm. Tell them when they're going to get the price. Framing up what's going to happen and when is more critical now using virtual than it ever mm -hmm. has been before. Yeah. What about if with decision-making, um, with other people that are involved in decision-making? Because mm, okay. that's going to be an objection. Yeah. I'm finding more and more now, I need to make this quick distinction. If you're taking notes, please write it down. One, there is a difference between a decision-maker and a stakeholder. And the whole world in sales has always talked about, you know, there's this corny line which just irks me when I hear it. Pete, who are the newest involved in the decision? I used to teach it years ago, right? It is so old school, 80s selling. It's, it's like the mullet, like it went out in the 80s. Let's not bring it back. It doesn't look good on anybody, right? Um, and that's where that line sits. Now we need to know who the decision maker is. So let me give you a quick way to strategize how we articulate that. So Annette, who else would have input in making sure this is the right solution for you? Mm -hmm. Who else would have input? Because right now, Annette might be the decision maker, but you also have three stakeholders. One could be the operations manager, the marketing manager, and the sales director. Mm -hmm. It could be your life partner, it could be your business partner. Right? So you want to ask who else right, has input mm -hmm. because you want to know stakeholders. People, I don't know if anyone's had it before. I've asked the decision maker question. Mm -hmm. They said they were. When I've gone to present the price, they said, great, leave it with me. I just need to run it by. And you've yeah. gone, hang on a second. You told me you were the decision maker. You might not say that, but you're thinking that. Because often you are the decision maker, so, but you need to yeah. get two or three other people's opinions as stakeholders, because mm -hmm. it has impact in their department before they make the decision. So you want to get, who's the, who else would have input? Because that attracts stakeholders and that shortens sales cycles down. Mm -hmm. So if I was to say, my husband's involved in the decision as well. Let's just say we've got Danielle online and she's with real estate, Yep. right? And she said, look, obviously we're buying a house, we're buying an investment property and my husband's involved too. What's yep. the next step then from there? Good. I only present to people that are impactful in the decision. I want to, wherever possible, make a decision, uh, sorry, present or do diagnosis with stakeholders and decision makers. So you might do your uh, d d analysis and diagnosis with stakeholders mm -hmm. and the presentation to the decision maker. So when or you're presentations the... to decision makers and stakeholders. Yeah. So you need to set that up and you need to lead it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay? You need to set up, you need to, to see it. So Dave Clare's gone, who else besides you may need to be involved in making a decision and moving forward with us? Yeah, David, I do less of that, buddy. Um, to me, it's, it just reeks of 80s selling. I would say, who else would have input in making sure that everything we put together is perfect? Well, I will need to get my operations manager, my practice manager on board yeah. as well, because they're going to be one who's driving this project. Yes, you're the decision maker, but these guys will have input. Yeah. Do so you, you think need it's to... the word decision then? Is the word decision Decision maker. You? Yeah, because it's salesy. Like, you're saying it because mm -hmm. I want to know, are you going to buy it? Are you the one? Mm -hmm. Am I wasting my time yeah. here? So it Customers... takes the pressure off by saying input, you think, is a less pressure word. Customers are smarter than we give them, give them credit yeah. to. Like, let's not try to BS them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know, and as a salesperson, I want to know who else has input because I need to know. Do I need to present in my proposal, right, in my strategy blueprint? Do I need to talk about stakeholders, mm-hmm. the ability to action, the ability to implement, yeah. not just the decision maker? Mm-hmm. It will help shorten your sales cycle massively if you do that. All right, we've got one more question. Yes. And funny you mentioned Dave because he is probably the best networker I know besides Trish <laughs> Freeman um, and Andrew Marilla. Oh, yes. They're, they're okay. my top three. They're my top now, three. Now, this is what's going to happen. There's plenty of you watching saying, I don't have the revenue right now to be able to use the marketing I used to do. I've got to be able to plan out and budget. Mm. So let's talk about strategic partnership because this is one thing that I know that you're passionate about. Yep. We know we've seen it time and time again. As I said, we've got Dave Clare, we've got Andrew Marillo, we've got Trish Freeman. These people are just incredible at it, at building a business without even having to invest. It's their time and the relationship building. So let's go there. Yeah, um, times are changing, so your marketing needs to change. Right. When I say your marketing needs to change, it might be a new medium. You might need to go from one platform to another. It might be the same platform, right? but it might need to be a different message on that platform. Because think about this. The message you tell the world is related to what your world is thinking and feeling. Mm-hmm. The message you share with the world directly relates to the, the message that they are thinking and feeling. If your audience are changing what they're thinking and what they're feeling, your message needs to change. Right? If there is more resistance in a certain platform, you choose a platform that has less resistance. Okay? Um, strategic partnerships is one of the best ways. You know, there's, a, there's an organization here, a networking group called District 32 in Perth. They run really good networking events, mm-hmm. really good networking events. They've got a really tight-knit community. Now, they've had to pivot everything online and, and do Zoom rooms like this to do their networking because mm-hmm. of uh, physical distancing. And I don't like the word social distancing. I think physical distancing is what we need. Uh, we don't need social isolation. We need more socialization. We don't need less socialization, right? So they've, they've moved to this component. Now, a strategic partnership is everyone in that networking group have some of them will have similar audiences Mm -hmm. so the question you ask yourself who has your audience who has a non-competing product but has a complementary service who has a non-competing product has a complementary service how can we access their audience how can we access their database either Mm -hmm. a couple of ways one deliver value deliver content uh, give something for free educate them or you might have an offer that your market needs. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a digital marketing, two digital marketing companies reach out to us saying, our customers saying the leads suck. The marketing company saying the leads don't suck, you just don't know how to sell. Because salespeople will blame the leads when they can't convert. They're like, Pete, can I get you in front of my clients to teach them how to convert? Because when they'll make more sales, they have more money to spend with me, and it's kind of a win win win. You know, it, the money needs to flow. Mm-hmm. So ask yourself, who has your audience? Right, that you can get access to because when in, Annette introduces me to her audience, it's not me, it's not a cold audience. She said, you need to speak to Pete. Pete's a solar, solar expert. Uh, you need, guys need to save money, you need to get into solar. Hmm. So creating alliances and strategic partnerships, what I'm actually loving in the Australian community right now is people actually starting to work together more. Yeah. There's industries that used to be competitors and now realising they're not competitors. There's enough business for everyone out there right now. And I'm actually seeing staff members working for free, working for half price, knowing that they need to support companies because they want their job back when, it, when everything comes back in three mm-hmm. or six or nine months' time. Um, I'm, my heart is being warmed by everyone really stringing together. Yeah. The ability to create partnerships now is more important than it ever has been before. So some of your lowest hanging fruit will be someone like Dave suggesting me to speak to somebody. 
you need you need a million salespeople out there right now with a million different messages because you have a million strategic partnerships who can shout from the rooftops what you do better than you can do just through Facebook or just through Instagram. Mm-hmm. So I, I implore you to sit down and map out a strategic partnership plan and how to implement that. Yeah, and Dave um, uh, Griffin, what Michael Griffin has a great networking, like teaches you how to network as well. So some people might yeah, be unsure. Yeah, he's got a referral group. Yeah, so he might be thinking, mm, I don't know how to network. So there's that stuff as well, like being able to create those partnerships. Um, because if your budget is tight, if it, you know it's going to go tight, it's really about leaning into that. And it might not be just going straight for the jugular, guys. It's not about selling now. It's about the build again. It's building that trust, building that relationship. Or if, if the person actually needs it now, as Peter said before, the level of entry point as a customer comes to you, let's just say if that's the goal line there with them actually coming on board, when they come to you just say from a lead, they might be down here on the scale of one to ten. Mm-hmm. But as a referral, they're already at like an eight because they've already got trust because you've come from a reliable source. You've come from a referral, from a partnership, yep. relationship. I, I think 80% of what we're doing right now is working through referrals and partnerships. Mm-hmm. I'm reaching out to people. Who do you know that can help me in this? Who do you know that can help me in that? I'm looking for information on. Like, I'm a referral king. I love Amit's to... just said you, you've unlocked something that he's been struggling with for a while. Yes, Amit, let's do it. Partnerships. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Love awesome. It. Well, guys, um, I think that's everything. Yeah, I mean, we um, could talk forever. Guys, if there is anything that you want more information on, um, just comment below. Annette and I will go back and either answer those comments, reach out to you, or run another session on a specific topic for you. Um, but let us know what's happening in your sales world. Two things. One, if you're using strategies that are working, I've seen three or four people saying, I'm doing this and it's working. Thanks for sharing it. Um, so we can help other people by sharing what's working for us. Two, if you've got a challenge, put it in there. We'll create mm-hmm. some content and we'll shoot something on it at the yeah. same time. So just to recap for any of you guys who have jumped on late, we've covered um, what happens if clients start ca- cancelling contracts. We've gone through how to help segment your audience because maybe you just only you've got your, your sort of your what are they called blinkers on and you can only see one type of audience that you can help where there are actually people still out there wanting to get help and really wanting to continually build um, we actually talked about how to structure your business meeting as well um, and how to reframe it when customers do want to cancel their contracts how to reframe it if you still are a very strong piece of the pie and can still help them. Mm. So, guys, um, yeah, thanks so much for, for coming on today and your patience. We had some massive technical problems. <laughs> we tried to do something really fancy and it just didn't work. So we we're going to do something to... this morning at 9 o'clock, <laughs> 6 o'clock our time. We're up at 5 o'clock. I got up at dark. 5 o'clock, girls, and did my here. hair and makeup. And... Tech, techs, we pushed it back and we pushed it back and we finally got online and it didn't work again. So, you know what, let's go back to what we know works and that's getting the phone out, getting a live stream like this. So... Um, guys, thanks so much. Um, like I said, put any questions you have below of what you'd like. Go back and watch this. Share. Tag people in who you think need to hear this message. Um, let's work together and together we'll be able to get we get through all of um, where we're at right now. Perfect. You're listening to The Herpreneur Wellness Show. I hope you received the inspirational idea, thought or message that you're meant to hear today. If you love the show, it means a bunch to me sending me a message on Facebook or on iTunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released. Until then, make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out.